Well, good morning. Welcome to TBA. I'm Brian Legg. I'm one of the pastors on our lead pastor team here. So glad that you could be here today. We are continuing our series today called It Is Written, or text as you can see it here. And uh, before we jump into that, though, I want to take just a minute to remind you of the challenge that I put before you last week. And this is the challenge that we've offered to our church family as we're walking through this series. We are challenging you to be spending daily time in God's Word. This is the whole point of this series, to talk about how important God's Word is in our lives And the only way we can understand that is if we're pouring into our lives with God's Word. So we've given you a couple free opportunities to help you plug into that. In fact, if you grab the insert out of your bulletin, it has all the details on it. I won't review everything. But I just want to remind you, if you would prefer to go the paper version, we have a chronological one-year paperback Bible that we're providing, one per family for our church family. And those are at the table out here in the lobby. Joni will see you with those and answer any questions you might have. There also is an app that you can use. You can download it on your smartphone or your tablet. Um, and it is put out, it's called Version, and it's put out by LifeChurch.tv. And inside that app, there is a chronological reading plan called the Blue Letter Chronological Reading Plan. All the, the uh, hyperlinks are there in the insert to make it really easy for you to find. But those are two different ways that you can jump into that to be reading on a daily basis. And part of the goal is that you're reading together as a family, either literally reading together as you go through it, or at least reading on your own and coming back and talking about, you know, what is God saying to me in this? What are some of the things I've been hearing this week? So that it gives you some interaction as a family as well. So let me encourage you to be a part of that as we walk through this series and beyond. This really is designed to develop some habits as we move forward. So last week, Stivey kicked off our series, and he talked about the, the topic of milk and steak and was referencing Paul and how Paul talks about the way we need to grow up and mature in the faith. And we have to basically get off the bottle and start learning to eat some good food, some steak, the really good food, right? But at some point, we have to be able to begin to grow and develop on our own and learn to feed ourselves. And one of the cool pictures that he painted was how we as humans are made in God's image, just like the Trinity. We are three parts, yet one person. And he talked about how we often get that out of order. Do you remember what the three parts were? We are spirit, soul, and body. Good, good, you remembered. I hear it's from some of you. Spirit, soul, and body. And he showed us how we often get those things backwards. We think about it differently from what God tells us. But we need to remember that our spirit is redeemed when we choose Christ. That's something that happens instantly. As we're walking out our faith with him, our soul is being redeemed, that mind, will, and emotion that he talked about. And then our body will be redeemed when we are resurrected with Christ at the end of time. He summed all that up last week by saying this, and this is where I want to build off of this morning. Our faith is what truly pleases God, and it's God's Word that feeds our faith. Our faith is what truly pleases God, and it's God's Word that feeds our faith. So that's where we're going to be exploring this morning, but I want to look at it from a little different perspective today. We're going to be talking about exploring how God's Word is light in our lives and gives direction to us. Now, if you happen to go to a Christian school as a kid or maybe you grew up in church, if you're like me, I put those words in the message this past week and there was this phrase that started running through my head immediately. And I kind of flashed back. I had this memory where I flashed back to children's church as a kid when I was in elementary. And I remember going into children's church almost every week and we would do these three pledges that was a part of what we did. We would do the pledge of the American flag, we would do the pledge of the Christian flag, And then we would do the pledge to the Bible. Is that familiar to anybody? Have you heard that? The pledge to the Bible goes like this. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Those words started flashing back in my mind. And I googled it and I pulled up and found these images that reminded me of the pledge. And I thought, man, I should start every day with that thought in mind. 
How would my life be differently if I truly did that, if I allowed God's Word to be light in my life and to guide and direct every step I take? It would change a lot for us. Well, this pledge comes specifically from two different verses out of Psalm 119, and that's where I want to hone in this morning. We're going to be in Psalm 119, specifically in verse 105. This pledge comes from verse 105 and verse 11. Psalm 119, verse 105 says this, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. A lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. A few years ago, I was hog hunting with a buddy of mine named Aaron Flint, and I'll throw up a picture here of Aaron so you can see him. But we were hunting together in the Polk City area, and as we do many nights, we turn the dogs loose and we're following them in the truck, and if, if you don't know how it works, our dogs have a little GPS collar that they wear around their neck, and then I have this cool little handheld transmitter that tracks where they're going so we can see where the dogs are running. And we had been hunting for several hours that night. It was probably like 2 or 3 in the morning at this point, and nothing had happened. The dogs hadn't picked up a scent. There was nothing going on. We're falling asleep in the truck, waiting for something to happen. It was just boring. And we were about to call it quits, and all of a sudden, out in the distance, I hear this bark, this faint bark, and I went, oh, did you hear that? And so we're listening and careful, and then another bark and another bark, and I look down at the GPS, and we had four dogs on the ground, and they're all running in the same direction, and it's starting to get exciting. And so we take off after them in the truck. They're running through the swamp and through the bush and all this stuff, and, and we're tracking on every road we can get to, and we finally get to a place where all the dogs have stopped, and they're all barking in the same spot, and that means they've got something cornered. And so we pull up in the truck. It's as close as we can get on the road, and we get out of the truck, and even as I get out, you can hear the barking starting to change, and it's, there's less barks. They're becoming more sporadic, and you can hear the fight start as the dogs are grabbing hold of the pig. And I look down, and I go, man, there's still 150 yards right there in the woods. And we take off to run into the woods, and it is the thickest undergrowth kind of woods I have ever seen in my whole life. I mean, just vines growing together and trees intermingled and thorn bushes. It's nasty. Well, as you can see, Aaron and I are pretty big boys, and we had a couple younger guys with us that were hunting that night. And we decided we're just going to carve our own path. And we took off into the woods and literally just beating brush out of the way and pushing our way through and turning around backwards and shoving through it. And it was easy to get in because 150 yards, I mean, we can hear the dogs barking the whole time and hear all the excitement. And so you push your way in, we get to the hog, we take care of business, and we're done. And, I mean, at this point you're kind of tired. You've been fighting through all the brush. And I remember leaning back against a tree and just trying to catch my breath, and I clicked my flashlight off. And when I clicked my light off, I went... Whoa, it is dark. I mean, you couldn't see anything. I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. I couldn't see Aaron. I couldn't see the other two guys. It was so thick. The trees had literally grown over top of us. I mean, the limbs were just intertwined and the leaves everywhere. You couldn't see a single star. You couldn't see a ray of light from the moon. You couldn't see anything. It was black. And my first thought was my wife would be freaking out right now. My second thought was, which way is the truck? Because we just parked 150 yards away. And I turned my light back on, and I kind of looked around, and I went, oh, well, I think we came in right there. You can see where the brush is all beaten down. And then I kind of looked around the circle a little further, and I went, well, actually, maybe we came in over there. That kind of looks like a trail. And I pick up the GPS, and this is the beautiful thing about GPS. It's got a nice little map on it. And it shows very clearly the truck was over here, and we had taken this path to get to where we were. And I went, okay, well, the truck's there. Well, over there is where I thought the two paths were. I mean, by the time we had finished, we had gotten turned around, had no idea where we were going. So Aaron steps up, he volunteers, he goes, I'll, I'll go back and I'll clear a path to the truck, and you, you guys get the hog ready and you can drag it out. He took all the dogs, put them on leads, and I point him in the right direction with the GPS, and he takes off. 
20 minutes later, we finally get everything ready and we're dragging out. And as we've gone like maybe 20 yards towards the truck, and of course we're following GPS, and I see this flashlight coming from the right side of me. And it's Aaron circling back right beside me to the right. And the first words out of his mouth are, how in the world did y'all get in front of me? And I went, how did you get behind us? You went to the truck. He goes, well, you got to be almost there. And I said, no, we've gone like 20 yards. He had walked in this big circle and come all the way back to us thinking he was on his way to the truck because he had no point of reference to be able to navigate his way out to the truck. I pointed him in the right direction with the GPS, but it didn't matter because as soon as you tried to go around trees or go around thorn bushes or get through the brush and you get twisted and turned around, you have no idea which direction you're going because there's nothing to look at to guide you. And so he had walked in this big circle, and thank goodness he walked in a circle and came back to us or he'd have been wandering in the woods still. But he circled back around to us, and so at that point we used the GPS and we literally went step by step And it was like every five or six steps, we'd have to stop and look again at the GPS and correct our course so we could go in the right direction. It was that thick. You just couldn't tell where you were going. And at that point, I'm thinking, thank goodness we have GPS. Now, what the GPS didn't do for us was it didn't explain that it was guiding us right into the thickest thorn bush I have ever seen in my life. I mean, literally, we turned around backwards and just fell into the thorn bush to try to knock it down so that we could walk over it. But we made it to the truck. And I was so excited to get back out to the truck because if the batteries had died in the GPS, I don't know how long we'd have been sitting there, at least till daylight, maybe longer. It was crazy. But see, in life, God's Word is just like that GPS for us. It gives us those step-by-step instructions. It gives us the constant course correction that we need to make sure we're going in the right direction. See, I pointed Aaron in the right direction with the GPS. It gave us an arrow and said, go this way, here's the truck. But he had trouble making that because he had nothing to correct his course as he walked through the woods in the darkness with no reference point. And as we walked out together, we had to constantly look back and go, no, we need to go this way. No, we need to go this way. And we would adjust constantly to make our way out. And it's the exact same in life. Reading the Bible four times a year doesn't do that for you. And these are some of the statistics that I shared with you last week about how we treat our Bibles. 57% of people read the Bible four times a year or less. That's not giving us the constant course correction we need. That's pointing us in a direction and walking us in a big loop. Go back to Psalm 119 with me for a minute. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible, 176 verses. But it's broken up in a pretty unique format. The verses come in sections of eight verses at a time. And over each section... There's one of the Hebrew letters. It's the Hebrew alphabet, basically an alphabetical order, walking a letter at a time, and it's designed in an acrostic format. So when you read through Psalm 119, if you were to understand the Hebrew alphabet and Hebrew words, actually each line, the first word of each line under each heading, starts with that same Hebrew letter. And they did this very intentionally. The Jews would often write in this model because it helped them to memorize And so when they would hear that, they could connect all the dots of, you know, here's the letter, here's the words that go with that letter, and it would help them to remember the things that they had heard. See, they weren't like you and I, who on average have four Bibles sitting around our home collecting dust on our shelf. The only time they heard God's Word was when they would go to the synagogue and they would hear a public reading. And so they needed things to help them recall what they had heard so that they could meditate on God's Word and apply it to their lives and learn from those things. They couldn't just pull a Bible out and read it when they wanted to. And the theme of this entire chapter of Psalm, Psalm 119, 
is about the ministry of the Word of God and the growth of God's children. Basically, it's all about how God's Word, when we understand it and apply it, causes us to grow into maturity in our relationship with God. The whole thing Stivey talked to us about last week as he set this series up. Now, we'd be here for months if I went through all 176 verses, of course. And so I'm going to dial in. You're going to be lucky this morning, okay? I'm going to dial it into one verse for this morning, and this is where our focus is going to be. And the verse is of Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to guide my path. Now, this is a pretty specific word picture that's painted. The Jews would have understood this. When they read this, they immediately had a picture of what they would consider their flashlight of the day. And it would look something a little bit like this. And I know it's probably kind of hard to see, but it's just a small clay pot. And in the top it has a hole where they could pour some oil, and then it's got a little wick that comes out of the spout here. And they would just set that wick down into the oil, and they would light the wick. And this acted like a flashlight for them to help them see their way. Well, as you can imagine, something this size doesn't put out a lot of light. So even when they light that wick and put their oil in it, it's a very dim light, and it literally would only give them a step or a two at a time. So they'd be walking down the path, and they could see the, first, the next few steps in front of them, but they couldn't see all of where they, they were going. They couldn't see the whole path laid out before them. It'd be kind of like this. Tim, could you kill the lights for me? It'd be kind of like if we were in a dark room, and I was using the iPad screen so that I could have a flashlight to see where I was walking. And I could walk a step or two at a time, and I can see my way. And in here, it's not completely dark, because we have screens shining in the back, and there's lights that come around the doors and exit signs. But even with that, I couldn't find my way down the aisle. I've tried to walk through here in the dark before. And I couldn't find my way down the aisle to get to the door if I didn't have this walking a step at a time. Without this, I'd walk right off the edge of the stage. Tim, you can turn the lights back up. Thank you. But that's what they were talking about. It was this very simple light that would give them the next step or two at a time. And isn't that what it's like in life? See, most often God doesn't give us the whole path at one time. He doesn't tell us exactly where we're going or where our destination is. He doesn't show us everything. He shows us the next step or two steps. And we have to be obedient to those things. It's just like when the GPS is guiding us out of the woods, we need that one step at a time, that constant course correction that keeps us going in the right direction. But here's the cool thing we often miss. God has already given us everything we need to stay on the right path and to grow to maturity. He's given us everything we need. The question is, is it collecting dust on your shelf or are you using it and allowing it to direct your steps? 2 Peter 1.3 says it like this. By his divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. See, when we come to Christ, we have everything we need to grow into a mature believer. God has already given it to us. He's built those genetics into us. It's like when a baby is born. A baby is born with all the genetics, all the DNA material, all the framework, the structure that they need to grow into an adult. But just like a baby, if you don't feed it properly, and if you don't give them food and drink, and if you don't teach them along the way and give them knowledge and help them to learn and grow in wisdom and understanding, they're not going to become the adult that they could be the way God has designed them. It takes more than just having the right genetic structure. It requires nourishment along the way. It requires teaching and training and understanding so that they can grow into responsible adults. And it's the same for us in our spiritual walk. God has given us everything that we need to become the mature believers that he's called us to be. 
But we have to be feeding ourselves. We have to be eating good food, not just stuff on the bottle. We, even though we have those genetic materials built into us, when God's Spirit comes to live within us, we still have to nourish that. We've got to be reading His Word and feeding ourselves. Based on the statistics that I shared last week, nearly 75% of people who say they have a relationship with Christ are literally starving to death spiritually. Think about that. Three out of four people. Three out of four, four people sitting in this room statistically are starving to death spiritually because we don't know how to feed ourselves. Stivey explained that we're 30 or 40 years old, 40-year-olds who are still sucking down Similac instead of eating a juicy ribeye. Now, which do you want, a bottle with some milk or a ribeye? That's an easy choice for me. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I'm not seeing a lot of smiles here. Y'all not like steak? Is there something wrong? Ribeye or milk? I mean, which are you going to choose? I, I like my milk with my cookies, but I want a ribeye if I'm going to sit down and have dinner. I want steak. And here's the real problem. The 75%, the three out of four, they think they've got it figured out. They think that they're bringing in light. They think that because they show up at church fairly often, because they have a few spiritual conversations, because they know where most of the books of the Bible are and they can find things, they think that they're bringing in light and therefore they're reflecting light. Look at what Jesus says about it in Matthew 6, verses 22 and 23. It says, Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And listen to this. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. If the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. See, God's Word is the only true light in our lives. Everything else is actually darkness. God's light is the only true light in our lives. And if we're not reading His Word, what are we putting into our soul? We talked about this last week again, Romans 12, 2, that God will transform us by the renewing of our minds. You remember that scripture? That's the, the fighting of the soul, the mind, the emotions, the will. It's reteaching, retraining us. That's how our soul is being redeemed. The reality is we're constantly feeding our soul because it's always hungry. So we're feeding it something, but what are we feeding it? Are we feeding it darkness or are we feeding it light? What are we putting in? I read a quote this past week, and I can't even give credit for who said it because I, I couldn't figure it out, but the quote went like this. The Christian life must not be an initial spasm followed by chronic inertia. In other words, we can't just have a momentary experience with Christ and then expect for that experience to carry us throughout the rest of our spiritual journey. It's not one mountaintop that carries on forever. We've got to come back to the valley and experience life and go through it, and that's how we learn and grow. Listen to Paul's words from Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, and this is starting in the second half of verse 12. It says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. See, God is doing the work, but I think we have to do our part too. We can't just commit our life to Christ and then sit back and go, okay, God, it's all yours now, up to you, you take care of this. I think God expects us to be faithful just like we expect him to be faithful. Isn't that true? We expect God to be faithful in our lives, but I think he expects us to be faithful too. 
We have to play our part. We have to do the things that he's called us to do. You know, when I was reading that verse in Psalm 119 about God's word being a lamp unto my feet, the word picture that came to my mind was a story that Jesus told out of Matthew 25, and it's the story of the ten bridesmaids. And hopefully you're familiar with the story, but the the basic synopsis of the story is there's ten bridesmaids. They're waiting for the bridegroom to come. They don't know when he's going to come for sure. And so they go out, and they're waiting to meet him, and they take their little oil lamps, very similar to this one, and they go out and they wait to meet him. And in the time they fall asleep, and when they wake up, the oil's running out in their lamp because it'll only burn so long. Well, five of the bridesmaids had extra oil that they had brought along with them. They just refill their lamps and they're good. The other five didn't bring any extra oil. And so they have to go to a shop and try to find extra oil to refill their lamps. And while they're gone, the bridegroom shows up. And the five who had extra oil go into the feast. And the five who didn't are left outside and they're not able to go into the feast. But I think it's a great illustration of how we tend to walk our faith journey. See, we come to Christ and he lights our lamps. He is the light, but he expects us to provide the oil. His word is that oil to keep our light shining, to be able to charge that and make it brighter. Johann Bengel, an 18th century New Testament scholar, said this, The flame is that which is imparted to us by God and from God without our own labor. But the oil is that which a man must pour into life by his own study and his own faithful effort so that the flame may be fed and increased. Remember that verse that I shared with you just a minute ago from Matthew, where Jesus is talking about our eye being a lamp for the body? Listen to the perspective that Luke gives of the same words. Luke chapter 11, verses 34 through 36. He says, Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when it's bad, your body is filled with darkness. We already heard that. Now he goes on, Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant, as though a floodlight were filling you with light. The Bible, God's love letter to us. This is our lamp. It's oil for our lamp. Jesus is the light, but this is the oil that we pour into it to allow that light to reflect that much stronger. His word pours into us as much as we allow it to pour into us. And it gives us the next steps and helps guide our path. See, in a nutshell, it comes down to this. We're called to be reflectors of God's light. But we can only reflect the amount of light that we have ourselves received. We're called to be reflectors of his light. But if we have nothing to reflect, how are we going to reflect that to the world around us? This pours into our lives, and the amount that this pours into our lives determines how bright and how long our light will shine in the darkness. I was bouncing some ideas this past week with our team about just different ways to illustrate this concept, and Dave shared an illustration that just kind of floored me. It caught me off guard, and he was talking about how the dark side of the moon, so the side of the moon that is not facing the sun, is completely and utterly dark, never has any light, because the reality is even though we see the moon shining in the sky, The moon doesn't produce any amount of light. All it does is reflect the light of the sun back towards the earth. So if the sun is not shining on it, then it is utter darkness in the part that doesn't see the sun. And it's the same way for us. We are reflectors of God's light in our lives around us. If we do not have light pouring into us, then we have nothing to reflect. We've got nothing to give away. But if we're constantly adding oil to our lamp, 
God will cause our light to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. And we'll become those amazing reflectors of his light in a dark and dying world. Tim, can you turn, that, turn the lights out one more time for me? Think about it like this. If you were in the auditorium in the dark like this, would you prefer to have this little light that you can see a step or two in front of you, or would you prefer to have this one? And I won't shine it in your eyes because this one's pretty bright. But see, with this, I can look right down through here. I can shine it off the back wall. I can see almost the whole room. I can see all of you because I've got a high-powered flashlight now as compared to that little lamp. You can turn the lights back on. Think about the comparison because this is the option we have. When we receive Christ, we can choose to be just this little dim light like the iPad screen or the little lamp that we hold or we can choose to be a high-powered flashlight that will light up a lot of stuff around us and will give off more light for other people to see. See, with this flashlight, if you guys would gather around me, we could go anywhere. Until the batteries ran out, we'd be good to go. With this, you better hold on to somebody in front of you because you're not going to be able to see if you're the third person back. There's a big difference in the amount of light that we put off. And the reality is if we're not pouring oil into our lamp and making our lamp bigger and brighter all the time, how can anyone else see the light that we were supposed to be reflecting? The simple reality is that so many times the Bible feels like it's just that little lamp. We'll read through something and, and sometimes it almost seems insignificant. It's just such a little nugget of truth that you pull out of God's Word. But it'll feel like that little lamp that just is pouring a little bit of oil into our lives. But the reality is if we keep pouring oil and keep pouring oil and keep pouring oil, that eventually grows and grows and grows to become a so much bigger light. And if we'll keep allowing God's Word to speak into our lives like that, then we're providing oil that will allow the Holy Spirit to do His job of recalling that light in our lives to help us reflect it. Jesus said it like this in John 14, verses 25 and 26. He says, I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. That's a key phrase. He'll remind you of everything that I have told you. See, it's still God's work happening in our lives. It's not our own efforts, it's not our work, but it's God's work. But yet, we have responsibility within that. It's the responsibility of the Holy Spirit to recall God's Word in our lives and help us reflect life. But what's He going to help us recall if we put nothing in? If He's talking to an empty file folder in our brain, how's He going to pull anything out of that? It doesn't say that His job is to implant Scripture into our mind. It says that His job is to recall it. We've got to be doing the work of implanting it into our brain so that it's there and he has something to recall. Ben, you guys can go and come up. I'll wrap it up like this. And if we could sum up the whole message in a nutshell, here you go. There's the Cliff's Notes of the Cliff's Notes for those of you who just like that walk-away point, okay? God's Word is light in our lives. And we have to constantly be filling our lives with God's light so that we can be growing in our faith and become reflectors of his light to a dark and dying world around us. If you're not taking in God's light regularly, you're not reflecting light. It's that simple. If you're not taking in His light regularly, you're not reflecting light. If you're not spending time in His Word on a regular basis, 
you're not going to have an impact on his kingdom like he's created you to have. You have the ability to be a beacon in the night, to be that supercharged flashlight. But many of you are walking around with your little clay dish and you're just shining a little bit of light right around you that hardly anybody can see. So the question I would leave you with this morning is this. What will you do about that? What will you do about that? See, this is one of those messages that's not so much a, hey, let's close in prayer and you come to the altar and pray and spend time and make things right with God. I mean, you can do that. I'd welcome you too. Our altars are always open. Come up and pray. Talk with somebody. We'd be happy to talk with you. But the reality is this is one of those messages that kind of leaves you with a challenge where you've got to leave here and do something with it. And I wonder, what will you do with it? What do you do tomorrow morning when you wake up and it's time to get out of bed? Will you take time to pour oil into your life so that you can be a brighter light to those around you? Will you take the time to pour oil into your life so that you can have better understanding of what God's saying to you and so you can understand His will and His direction in your life so that He can guide your steps and truly be your GPS to constantly doing the course correction? Or will you just keep doing life the way you've always done it and keep walking in darkness and keep complaining about how you can't find your way? I know it's a pretty harsh reality, and I'm sorry if it sounds harsh, but the reality is the ball's in our court. What are we going to do with it? God has provided everything we need. He's given us everything in his word to grow up to be mature believers and to follow him and to grow in our faith and to become the people that he's created us to be. But the choice is left with us. Are we going to pour into our lives Are we going to allow his word to speak to our hearts? Are we going to keep sitting back and being passive and going, okay, God, fix it. Show me the way. Figure it out. He's doing his part. He's done his part. He's made the promises. He's laid them before us. What are we going to do with it? I'm going to pray. The band's going to play. And and you respond however God leads you. If you need to come and spend some time praying, do that. If you want to pray with a friend, do that. If you need to talk to one of us, please do that. But more importantly, my prayer today is that you'll take the things that we've talked about and you'll sit and you'll meditate on them this afternoon and you'll ponder them and you'll begin to ask God, what do you want of me? And how do I begin to apply this in my life and begin to plug in and really spend time in your word? How do I make daily time in my schedule to make you the priority so that I'm putting oil in my lamp and have a light that will shine in the world around me? Let's pray. You guys go ahead and stand. God, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you that you are still speaking into our lives. Thank you that, that God, you you are constantly willing and able and ready to to pour that oil into our lives, that you've given us the things that we need in your word, that you've already laid it all out before us. You've shown us the path that we need to take. All we have to do is be obedient a step at a time and, and walk a step at a time in the direction that you guide us. God, I pray that you would help us to depend upon you and to put our faith in you and to truly be obedient to the leading in our lives. God, challenge our hearts now. Help us to step back and take a real look at what you're saying to us. And help us to have the courage to step out in faith and in obedience and to begin to make you a priority and to allow you to pour into us through your word. We love you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen.